Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible-teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. I uh, have some great news today. Some great news today. That's what I want to preach to you about between now and when you leave this room. I have some great news today is this. Despite you, God wants to use you. This is great news. Uh, despite you, God wants to use you. What I mean, uh, what I'm aiming at when I say that is um, we're going to talk about Gideon today. We've been studying the book of Judges. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Judges chapter 6. There is this tendency uh, when we read the Bible stories, especially if you grew up in church and you were taught the Bible stories, to see the people who do or are part of incredible things as people who had like superpowers or they're like adjacent to like those guys in the Marvel movies or somehow they're people with uniquely special giftings and strengths. But when you pay a close examination to the Bible, what you find is that God uses people not because of the special things about them, but in spite of all of the foolish and messed up things about them. The wonderful news is that when you really understand your Bible that you're holding, I hope, in your hand, God doesn't need special or certain kind of people. He uses the most normal, the most average, the most messed up, frankly. And so the message today is called, Despite Me, God Wants to Use Me. We're going to talk about Gideon. I don't know if you've heard of him before, uh, but Gideon is either a hero who overcomes insecurity or a weak man who God uses anyway. That's uh, what he brings to the task is he's either uh, a hero who like, wow, 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 or he's a weak man who God uses anyway. Uh, I want to show it to you now. We're in Judges chapter 6 and verse 1. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn there. I don't have anything super brilliant to say this morning, but God's word has something powerful for us when we open it. Uh, it starts like this in verse 1. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and God gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel, for whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. If you've been journeying with us uh, a few of these weeks, you would have seen by now that uh, that's the start again of the cycle that we go through. The cycle that we go through as people and the cycle that the book of Judges goes through is the people's sin... Uh, when they sin, the bill always eventually comes due and they go into oppression, which takes various forms. In this case, it's often political. They're basically enslaved. From oppression comes this repentance, this turning back to God, like, God, I need your help. God, I need your help. God always, every time, delivers the people when they repent. And then there's a period of peace, which is just 
long enough for the people to get distracted, to forget, to lose sight, and to fall into sin again. And what we've been learning is this isn't just the pattern of the Israelites 3,000 years ago. It's our pattern again. It's our pattern as well. So do you see it when I read there, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Oh, yeah, okay, here we go. So because of that, God gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. That's the oppression. And it says in verse 6 that Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Israel was brought very low. Israel was brought very low. So the way this time the oppression came in is the people of Midian kind of hung around, and as soon as anyone in Israel tried to plant crops, they would go and destroy them. In an agricultural society, that means that you have nothing to eat and no way to generate income. And the people, when it says they're, they're brought very low, it's kind of like their, uh, their countenance and their outlook and their sense of self has fallen, 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 fallen. I wonder if you've ever been brought low. If you've ever been, I wonder if you've ever been in a place where you were like, uh, it's so bad, I can't even imagine how it could get worse. Like everywhere I look, it's not working. And God does miraculously often meet us when we're at that place of being very low. Now, I would suggest, just as because we're passing by here, I will mention that uh, my old boss used to say it like this. If you think things can't get any worse in your life, maybe just keep doing what you're doing for a while and find out that they actually can. This is when you know you've been brought pretty low. Have you ever been at a place where you wish that you could get back to what you previously thought was rock bottom? You ever been there and be like, man, I would give anything to go back to how bad I thought it was back there. Because of our propensity for bad choices and our propensity for bad habits, we have to get to what happens here. It says that the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. Verse 7 says that when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, this time, this is the fourth time we've been around this cycle, this time God stops and he gives a speech. All the other times he went straight to delivering them. This time he stops and he gives a speech. It's highlighted in verse 10 when he says, I am the Lord your God. You shouldn't fear the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So God is going to deliver him, but he stops. I think I understand uh, what's coming here. He, he stops and just says, now just so we're clear, the reason it got like this is not because I gave you bad ideas. It's because you didn't obey the things that I said. So the reason it got like this isn't because I told you the wrong way to live. The reason it got like this is because you didn't listen to what I tried to tell you. It's a reminder of what sin does. Uh, reminder, sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. That's what sin does. The reason why we get so messed up in our lives is we think that sin is going to make things better, no, no, I just, I'll just cut that corner on my taxes. Nobody will know. The government will just waste it anyway. Illinois, blah. And now I have something that isn't mine, but God won't bless me for it. One example, but example, 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 example. So now the angel of the Lord appears, verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appears to this guy named Gideon. He's the star of this story. And the angel of the Lord says to Gideon, 
The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The angel of the Lord, when you see that in your Old Testament, you can underline that anytime. That's Jesus coming to earth in his earthly body before he's ready to be on earth. It's pretty amazing, pretty strong, pretty strong. Jesus shows up right in front of him, and he says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the land in the hand of Midian. I got four things to say to you today, and this is the first one. God wants to use me despite my blame-shifting pessimism. God wants to use me despite my blame-shifting pessimism. The angel of the Lord shows up and said, all right, Gideon, it's time for deliverance. So God is with you. Saddle up, let's go do it, is basically what he says in verse 12. And in verse 13, Gideon says, come on, the Lord is with me. If the Lord is with me, why is my life like this? If the Lord is with me, why aren't all those things you told me about that I read about in those scrolls? Why aren't all those things that God did back over there happening in front of me? The Lord brought us up out of Egypt. The Lord has forsaken us now and given us into the hand of Midian. Gideon is blaming his circumstances, not on his behavior, but on God. And God wants to use him and will use him anyway. I'm not God and not close, as anyone who's ever driven with me could attest. But i got to be honest, like, I'm amazed that God wasn't like, okay, cool. No, I'll go find somebody else. Sure. But that's not the way that God, this is what is in his kindness, is that Gideon is like, the Lord is with me. Look at my circumstances. And God still uses him. Do you see it? Anyway, uh, we have to note, and this is important, I think, to, to understand, uh, pointing at what's wrong is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Being able to say what's bad about something is not, like, infused with the Holy Spirit. We can all see what's wrong with pretty much everything. Like, just a second ago, someone dropped their phone. It was really loud. It was pretty distracting. <laughs> it wasn't awesome. But, like, you didn't need me to point that out. We all knew it happened. It's okay. It's small church. We absorb it. The guy who dropped his phone was here all winter setting up the signs at 8 o'clock in the morning every Sunday when half of you were still home in bed. Things happen. It's not a big deal. What am I saying? Anyone can just say that's wrong. That's not anything. Being able to say what's wrong with something is not an evidence that the Holy Spirit is at work within you. Gideon is just like, look. Everything happening in my life right now is bad. It's your fault, God. Everything happening right now in my life is bad. It's your fault, God. He's pointing at his circumstance. He's shifting the blame from the choices that he and the people around him have made over to God as though it was God's fault that they had disobeyed. And God wants to use him anyway. There is a temptation for people of faith to think that because of our awareness of sin in the world, that we need to be pessimistic. What does that mean? To assume that the future is worse than the past. And sometimes we need to pause and say, yes, our world is messed up in many ways. It is also true that there are many great things happening in the world all around us. And it can become sometimes for people of faith 
this idea that the, the most wise among us are those most able to constantly point at what's bad about everything. Uh, here's what I mean. I brought a couple charts that I wanted to show you. I was excited about these. Here's one example of what I mean about pessimism. Chart number one. Next thing. Next slide. I, did have a, I had a thing in there about the office. It wasn't going to work, so I didn't want to show it. But then, anyway, there we go. It's been that kind of day. Uh, check this out. Uh, this is the percentage of people living in the world in extreme poverty from 1820 to 2018. So over 200 years, what you're seeing as that blue is going down is less and less and less people on planet Earth living in extreme poverty as defined, uh, I think, it used to be under a dollar a day. So what does this mean? It means that as the world is progressing economically, overall, things are better for more people than ever before. Do we still want to work to try to make things better for even more people? Of course we do. But the world is not getting better, in, it's not getting worse in terms of poverty. It is getting better. Here's another one that I wanted to show you. Uh, Bible translation is a huge thing so that people all over the world can read a copy of the Bible in their own language. In roughly that same time span, the last 200 years, we have gone from having 85 languages with a Bible translated all the way to almost 3,000. Uh, they say that now roughly 97.5% of all people on planet Earth can read at least a portion of the Bible in their own language. Do we still want to figure out that last 2.5%? Of course we do. Like, unless it's people in Canada, they're fine. But whatever. Like, just kidding, just kidding. But a lot of work has gone into the task, and things are getting better. Slack can come down. We don't want to slip into thinking that because we read great stories of what God did in the past, and because we see the sinfulness of the world around us, to think that the good days are gone and we're just kind of like just trying our best to grit our teeth all the way till the grave. No, if God did great things back then, he wants to do them again. There is nothing stopping the Holy Spirit from moving in great power in this church, in your life, in our community like never before, but often our pessimism gets in the way. God wants to use us anyway. Back to the text. Uh, verse 14, the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. Notice that God doesn't even, meant, doesn't even really respond to his pessimism. He just says, no, no, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Like, did, did you figure this out? Like, clearly, I just came out of heaven. And clearly, I'm saying, go do it, boss. And Gideon said to him, verse 15, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. God wants to use me despite my normal reality. God wants to use me even though I'm nothing that much special. The Lord says, come on, you go do it, man. Let's go. I'm with you. Go do it. And Gideon's like, me? I'm from, like, the wrong family, from the wrong tribe, and I'm, like, the least of the people in the wrong family from the wrong tribe. 
you remember when you figured out uh, that you were kind of normal? Nope. Is that day right? Patrick, okay, it's coming for you, buddy. It's coming for you. Like, you start out in life, and maybe it's you, you played a sport, or you wanted to, you were doing a certain kind of art, or you had a, a desire of where you wanted to climb, and eventually, as you get older, you come to this realization that, like, the world and, and, you know, Mr. Rogers, Barney, all that told me that I was really special. But, like, honestly, like, maybe I have, like, a unique footprint that's, like, no other fingerprint ever in the whole world. And I'm a snowflake and all that. But, honestly, like, I'm pretty normal. There's a lot of people that can do what I can do. Uh, I remember very vividly uh, the day uh, there was a guy. I actually was just thinking about this the other day. I was playing basketball, and there was this guy that I was trying to guard at a tournament downtown. And he blew past me. Uh, and dunk the ball by the time I could move like one step to the left. Uh, I just looked the other day, 2002, he was the Chicago Sun-Times player of the year. He ended up playing at Duke University. And I remember it vividly, like in that moment, being like, oh, so there's like the, the real athletes and then there's like, you know, me. And it doesn't feel like it at a good time, at, that, at the time, but realizing that you're one of the people that God has made, one of the normal people, is actually a gift. But sometimes we think maybe God could, maybe God does want to do something, but it's not going to be from someone like me. Uh, we get uh, stuck on our ways we define ourselves. We get stuck on looks. We think like, oh, I don't look like somebody, you know, if God's going to use somebody, it's going to be one of the beautiful people. It's going to be one of the, you know, now like that's all skewed in our minds, you know, because you, you can go on Line and like every I, the kids were showing me the other day this um, filter that, that this new one that they put on TikTok that just like makes your face look perfect, and like I, I, I don't know and I, looked, and I looked and I was like oh wow wow I do look good with that yeah wow how can I make my face look more like this this is why um have you seen this thing about how ever since everybody started going on Zoom every single thing for plastic surgery like on your face has just gone up 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 because people look at their faces all day and they're like I don't like the way that looks I should fix it. And you may be one of these people that got bogged down somewhere along the line in thinking, I don't look like someone who God would do something significant through. You may think, uh, I'm from the, this, Gideon really points at this, I'm from the wrong family. I'm from the wrong kind of place. I'm not from the, the kind of place where God would do something. We look at our affluence. Some of us uh, look at our family structure and we're like, I'm not even the most person in my own family, I'm, we start to define ourselves by what isn't, and God wants to use us anyway. God wants to use us anyway, despite our normal realities. The reason is God loves to use the wrong people, because when God uses the wrong people, it shows where the power came from. This is the reason why God loves to use David to beat Goliath, because if God chooses Goliath and he wins, everyone's like, well, I mean, of course, the biggest guy out there. God loves to use people whose background, mistakes, situations, circumstances would suggest that there's no way. Because when God uses that person, everybody's like, oh, well, there's no way he did anything that significant, so it must have been God that did it through him. Notice also, uh, look back with me for just a second. Look at verse 16. Notice that the Lord said to him, but I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one man. So God's solution to the problem that Gideon is normal is not that he's going to make him supernatural or abnormal. 
God's solution is, I will be present with you, and that's going to fill whatever gap needs to be filled between who you are and what I want you to do. And that's where, when we're trying to preach the biblical message to each other, we take a dramatic turn away from most of what is out there in the world. What most is out there in the world wants to tell you, you can be enough. You just need to work harder, try better, love yourself more, believe more, and be more positive. The message isn't that God can make you strong enough to do what he wants you to do. The message is that he is strong enough for you to do what he wants you to do. That difference is everything. It isn't like I just got to just try, just try harder, just, I could just, I could do it, I can do it, I can do it. Uh, have you ever seen like those guys that uh, like can like slam through a board with like their arm like a karate chop kind of thing or whatever? I promise you, if you handed me one of those boards right now, I would just like crack my arm on it and probably break my arm no matter how hard I believed in the power of positive thinking. And we do each other a disservice when we try to tell each other that if you just kind of feel more positive. No, God's message to Gideon here is because I'm going to be with you, it's going to be all right. I'm going to fill the gap. I think you understand what I'm saying. God wants to use me despite my normal reality. I got two more. Look back at the text. So verse 25 we're in now. So the Lord says to Gideon, uh, take your father's bull and the second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the Asherah that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of the stronghold here with stones laid in due order. Then take the second bull and offer it as a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had told him, but because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he, he did it by night. Okay, so what happens here is real straightforward. God's getting Gideon to work, and the first work that God usually wants to do is to get rid of your idols. Usually God removes the bad before he brings in the good. And so God says, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. Uh, you know those big uh, poles in the middle of your town that everybody bows down and worships and everybody kind of dances around and, and, and there's all kinds of like gross, immoral, perverted activity that happens around those? You know how those happen to be your dad's as well, Gideon? What I want you to do is I want you to go tear those things down and instead I want you to build a place to worship me. We're going to get rid of the bad, we're going to bring the good. And Gideon does the thing that God wants him to do but then do you see what it said there at the end? He was too afraid of what everybody else was going to say, so he did it by night. This is what I came to say today, number three, is God wants to use me despite my fragile obedience. Sometimes all we've got is like just barely holding on. Am I telling the truth? Sometimes all we've got, this is why we gather and why we make it a pattern friends, at church together every Sunday, is sometimes you need all the fuel you can get in this hour that we're together to get you till next Sunday through the life God's called you to. And God wants to use me even though my obedience is often fragile. Uh, we see here that God is going after the idols of the people first. You can't just go to the good. An idol is uh, anything that takes God's place of primary affection and priority in my life. So when we read in the Bible, it's typically something very concrete. 
it's a it's a statue that they bow down to or a, a, you know something of that nature. Our idols take on different forms, don't they? But there are still things in all of our lives in various ways. Let me just put that definition back up for one second. That take God's place of primary affection and priority in my life. There's lots of people who've made uh, their children more important than God, and because that's like a little more sanitized than drinking yourself to sleep every night, it's easy not to pay attention to it. There's lots of people who've made their affluence or reputation at work or, 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 or. Uh, here's a few examples, I think, of some primary idols that we have in our culture in the 2020s. I would say that there's something like, um, these are the ones that come to my mind as the most, sexual expression, uh, personal autonomy and safety, comfort and ease. All you'd have to do is go on to like Instagram or something and look at what all the ads on there are selling you and just look at it with this in mind. Everything that you're, the culture is selling you is if you do this, if you buy this, if you go here, you will have more sexual expression, personal autonomy and safety and comfort and ease. That like the best life you could possibly have is to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, and not be worried about any of the consequences. And so many people are unhappy chasing the lies, chasing the idols, yet we don't cut them out in the way that we should. Uh, what God is saying here to Gideon, we're going to skip a couple things here, Nick. Until you are willing to destroy your idols, God won't change your situation. So get, you know, be mad if you want, that's fine. Uh, but that's, that's the truth. That pray as often as you want, God will you please, X. Be as fervent as you want in hoping and working and trying and whatever. But until you get the idols out of the way of your life, God is not going to change your situation. And so many people are like, I've been praying for such a long time. God, will you please help me? Will you please help me? And it's like, yeah, God's not going to help your children grow into who you want them to be until you stop worshiping them more than him. As long as your career is the only thing that matters to you, God is probably not going to pour out blessing there. Wow, got real there for a second. I could feel it. And so God's call to Gideon is, we're going to get rid of these idols. But this is what is so encouraging to me. He doesn't like say, okay, God, and run out and just knock everything over. He wants to do the right thing, but it's hard to do the right thing. So he waits and he does it at night hoping that no one is going to notice. And what I love about that is that's the way it really is, right? The way that it really is is, man, I would really like to solve some of these habits and deal with some of these patterns and sort out some of this stuff, but, like, I'm kind of nervous, and I don't want to be embarrassed, and, oh, man, okay, wait, no, I don't want anyone to know about that for sure. Okay, so that's the way it actually is, and God wants to use you even if your obedience is fragile. I want to get to the end of the story now, and i got a little more to share with you. So it says, When the men of the town, verse 28, rose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was broken down, and the Asherah beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar that had been built. So that means Gideon did what God wanted him to do. And they said to one another, Who has done this thing? And after they had searched and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, has done this thing. Then the men of the town said to Joash, 
Bring your son Gideon that he may die, for he has broken down the altar of Baal and cut down the Asherah beside it. You know that you're pointing or dealing with someone's idols when they're willing to kill you to keep on doing them? Put that in your little culture war thing for a minute. Think about that later if you want. But Joash said to all who stood against them, will you contend for Baal? Or will you, will you save him? Whoever contends for him shall be put to death by morning. If he's a god, let him contend for himself because his altar has been broken down. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. So Gideon's dad is like, are we really going to like stand up for something that we call a god? If he's really a god, he'll take care of Gideon. Back off, everybody. Cool. Verse 36. So you'd think, right here, you'd think this is like the moment. Gideon stands up for God. Now he's got this task. He needs to go deliver Israel. And you would think right here in this moment, it would be like, and you'd think it was like the training montage where Gideon's getting ready to go do what God wants him to do because God has shown himself strong and, whoo, let's go team, go team, go team. But that's not what happened. Then Gideon, verse 36, said to God, all right, if you'll save Israel by my hand, um, as you've said, behold, I'm laying a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece alone and it is dry on the ground, then I shall know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you've said. Verse 38, and it was so. So he says, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out like a little rug, and if the rug has the morning dew on it and there's nothing on the ground around it, I'm going to know that you're with me. And God was apparently like, okay, cool, and it happened. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, let not your anger burn against me. Let me speak just once more. Please let me test just once more with the fleece. Please let it be dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on all the ground there was dew. Uh, we see here a supernatural reality of God's patience. Because the guy keeps coming back like, can you, just, can you just prove it to me one more time? Can you, can you just prove it to me one more time? This is like, you know that thing when you're buying something, uh, like tickets for something, and then you just keep clicking on every screen, they're just adding more money to what you're supposed to pay? This ever happened to you? You're like, I was like, thought these tickets I was buying were like $40, and now it's like 18000 by the time I got to the end. The fees, the f- and I don't know how you are, but finally, this happens to me all the time. I'm finally just like, no, you know what? No. Just click. Then you're getting emails for the rest of your life. Like, there's something in your cart. Yeah, I don't want to buy it because of all those fees. <laughs> I wanted to get that off. But that's what Gideon is. He's like adding, 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 adding. God, can you just show me one more time? Can you just prove to me one more time? God, can you just... This is such great news for you today. God wants to use me despite my weak faith. My struggle to believe is something that God wants to use. He keeps on asking. I quoted it a second ago, Psalm 145, 8. God is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast God doesn't treat us the way we treat each other, so he absorbs our need. Can you just tell me one more time? 
like I said this at the beginning, uh, Gideon is either a hero who overcomes insecurity or a weak man who God uses anyway. I think it's pretty clear that the answer is he is both of those things. God is, uh, Gideon is a hero who overcomes insecurity and a weak man who God uses anyway. So I came today to try to encourage every person who can hear my voice right now. God wants to use you. He wants to use you for his purposes in this world. And as I'm saying that, you may start in with your list. But did you, but, but did you, but, 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 What's beautiful when we survey biblical texts like this, and we're going to come back next week and talk about how God used Gideon. God wants to use me, not because of what's good in me. God wants to use me despite all of the difficulties with me, despite my Blame-shifting pessimism, maybe that's you. You're like, I just can't wait to tell you what's bad about everything. <laughs> maybe you're like, if you knew my family background, where I was from, the choices I've made, the stuff I've been through, God wants to use me despite my normal reality. God wants to use me despite the fact that my obedience is fragile and my faith is sometimes really weak. Sometimes I'm praying the words because I know that I should, but in my heart I'm like, nah. God wants to use me anyway. God wants to use me anyway. So before we go and before we sing, they're going to come now. Let's just so we can survey a list so I can prove to you that God wants to use you anyway. Abraham was too old and God used him anyway. Elijah was suicidal and God used him anyway. Joseph was abused. God used him anyway. Job went Bankrupt, Moses had a speech problem. Gideon was afraid, as we saw today. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Noah was a drunk. Jeremiah was way too young. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. Martha worried about everything. Zacchaeus was small. I don't know why that made the list. And also money hungry. The disciples fell asleep while praying. And Paul was a Pharisee who persecuted Christians before becoming coming one. Those are like the best people that God did the most things through. And every one of them, you're like, no, no, no. If you were like the coach trying to decide who would make the team, every one of them would have been like, cut, 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 cut. So can you believe into your heart today? Yes, I'm trying to get you a little rised up in the first service. Can you believe today by faith that God wants to use you? And he doesn't want to use you while ignoring what's true about you. He wants to use you in spite of you. All right, now we're almost done. So like the, the game that we play is uh, we try to show our best side to people in relationships so we'll be accepted, you know, that thing. And it can, again, just get it. God knows the real stuff. He knows right as I'm talking right now how that inner monologue that you got from who knows how many years ago is telling you the preacher what he's saying, whatever, but you know, it's not, not about you. He knows all the dysfunctional patterns that you have inside of you. He knows all of it, and he wants to use you anyway. Come on, come 
So we're going to talk soon more about how. But I'm just hoping that somebody can get some faith today. That it's not over. Your best days aren't past. Your best days aren't when the kids grow up. Your best days aren't back before you screwed that thing up. God wants to use you right now in the here and now for his glory and for your good. Would you stand to your feet and we're going to sing. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.